do you think people want to sign Leander Dent Onker? Do you think people want to <laughs> sign Morgan Sanson, Felipe Coutinho, fucking Bertie T? Do you think these are actual options for people? Everybody's struggling financially. You can't just go out and buy a fucking burger whenever you've got no money. You're going to have to have a bowl of pasta every once in a while. You can't all just take a risk with our health. Bertie T ain't going fucking anywhere until his contract's up, pal. <laughs> Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. And I choked the line south. There's a famous saying in Saudi Arabia. It's actually coined by an activist called Manal al Sharif. The rain begins with a single drop. And if I felt something fall from the sky on the 22nd of December at home to Sheffield United, if I knew the Boxing Day water dripping down my face at Old Trafford was more than just tears, and, <laughs> and even if I tried to ignore the clouds that have obviously been gathering overhead for the last month, I can't deny any longer that there is a rain shower washing over me right now, and it is heavy. When that single drop first came, they told me to stop being so reactive, knee-jerk, panicky, calm down. When when it was accompanied by more raindrops, they told me to get some bloody perspective, man. And I, I even joined them. I told myself off. Yes, it's raining, but we've come through a storm already. Yes, the elements are taking their toll, but look at the platform we've already reached and think of the possibilities of January. Think of the winter break. Think of players getting back from injury. Think of strengthening the squad and pushing on. Well, the winter break is over. The team doesn't look any more fresh. The injury list doesn't look in any way better. And it turns out nobody can ever buy any player ever again. (laughs) And all are humbling at the hands of Jason Tindall's Saudi Arabia. And they're out in force again. They're controlling the narrative. They're trying to control my emotions. It's our first home defeat since February last year. It was going to happen. Do you know what else it is? It's one win in our last five league games. Three of those at home. Two draws of Everton and Sheffield United. Two uncharacteristic nil-nil draws thrown in there as well. If you include cup competitions. It would have been three if Matt Cash didn't lash a ball off a Middlesbrough player in the 87th minute. (laughs) This is a team, granted, we are so proud of. But it's a team that hasn't been functioning the same for a long time now. And... Off the back of the greatest year of my life, thanks to Aston Villa, I worry, I worry that there's nothing left to do now, but watch the slow demise of the players we loved so well. (laughs) Look, these midweek games should be banned. I mean, the the Premier League's running around shiting on about sustainability. Let's let's leave aside them organising matches during times when there are no trains or public transport to get away fans to and from the matches. What about the social side? About the people side of sustainability? What about my fucking health and well-being? Like, if the Premier League was genuinely interested in sustainability, they wouldn't have tricked me into being obsessed with football from the age of four. Oh, oh, look at this. Look at the majesty of Paul McGrath. This lad can't hear the crowd singing his name because his knees are screaming in pain. What a fucking hero. Look at this lad. Why don't you follow him? If the Premier League was interested in sustainability, it wouldn't allow clubs like Aston Villa to fucking exist. I know, I know. I know at times it feels like they they can only list six clubs, even if naming a seven would stop them being fucking executed. 
But the Premier League isn't William Wallace lying on the guillotine refusing to say mercy. Like they, <laughs> they know the other clubs exist and they fucking love how heartbreaking they are because they know we'll come back for more. They're fucking dripping sweet honey in their ears every week. Oh, Super Sunday, Friday night football, Villa Park under midweek lights. Like, how could you not love football? Fucking mercy! Stop it! <laughs> Stop getting me hopes up! Stop dangling 40 games of ecstasy in front of me. We're like a fucking tantric lover has been shagging for a week and just when they're about to come, get kneading the balls. And it and it's going to be really hard to convince me to make love like that again, Conan. I think I prefer just getting fucked in the traditional way that Aston Villa fans are used to. Yeah, that that is the, the mercy that we can look forward to. That's the freedom that William Wallace talks about. We can maybe make ourselves comfortable with the way we used to be, the way we know it, like the way the, the way like we we're so comfortable with and, and this is I, I honestly I, I'm not crying for the days when it used to be like that, but you know, you have to wonder if we didn't have to fall so far, would it be okay just staying there, staying in the mud the whole time? And and you're right as well, though. I mean people saying we've we've only lost two games since September. That was the talk beforehand. You know, calm down. We've only lost two games since September. We've only beaten Burnley in the last five games. That's the fucking problem. Sorry, we've only beaten 10-man Burnley with a 90th-minute penalty in the last five games. And that's, that's actually not even the problem. The performances in the games are the issue. If anyone doesn't see a result like this coming, they need to watch more football. Like, put mm-hmm. your phone down during the game. Stop watching matches in the pub. You're doing something wrong. I know attention spans are getting shorter, but come on. How could you not love football? Watch the <laughs> fucking match. Like, take off your claret tinted glasses and put on a pair of fucking prescription ones because you need them. The last five games we've played, we've played the bottom three teams and two mid-table teams. Well, Everton would be a mid-table team with their 10 points. Fine. Two of the worst teams in the history of the competition and three <laughs> mid-table teams. It's like Saudi Arabia and Man United are in two moments from Anana whenever he was involved in the game. They battered us. The two teams battered us. Man United are so bad. Their centre forward cried after he scored. He cried coming. <laughs> Saudi, Saudi Arabia are so bad that the last time they won away from home was two months ago against Man United. That's the fucking level of teams we've been playing against and not beaten. And it was a carbon copy performance from an Aston Villa point of view. Like the way we were just getting stuck along our own byline. They talk about short attention span. Our, our defenders have such a short <laughs> attention span on the ball because they can't think for any longer. They think, what else can I do here? It's No, it's just Moreno to Longley to Martinez. Let's see what happens there. Nothing will happen there. He'll try and rush it out to Kanza, who's basically in the stands now collecting the ball. And Matt Cash, Matt Cash is God knows where he is, but we'll come back to that. Let's just go through the goals. And of course it was a corner. Of course. Of course it was a corner. Of course it was a corner dropping down to a centre-back's toes on the edge of our six-yard box. Just a corner into the centre of the goals, dropping down on the edge of the six-yard box for a defender to volley home. And it comes from a ball over the top to Anthony Gordon. Kanza gets the block and it goes over for a corner. And then, sure, that's... How often have we said this now? Like that, we we might as well chuck the fucking ball into our own net because it would be quicker. As soon as we can see the corner, chuck the ball and say, "Well done, lad, you you've got us." And now we'll get the we'll get the game restarted. At least we'll get the ball back quicker. We won't have to go through the indignity of, of pretending to defend. If a corner lands on this age or six yard box in the middle of the box as well, then nobody at the club should get paid this week. I mean, that is scandalous stuff. And 
I don't know why three people go up for the ball to near post. I don't know how they've all been sucked in there. It's not a good corner. He is aiming for, aiming for the near post. Why, why is Douglas Louise pretending to jump for that ball? He knows he's not getting there. And why does Emmy Martinez pretend that he thinks that one of our players can get there? Get ready to react here. That ball is too high. He's overhit the corner. Come out and collect it, Emmy. That's what you're good at. And then Fabian Shard just fucking falls on his horse and the ball goes in half. There's very little you can do about that. But it's it's the initial the initial defence of the corner is absolutely atrocious and everybody is culpable. A ball lands in your six-yard box, everybody's fucked up. <laughs> what did you say there? Initial defence? We'll say no more because we sorted out the initial defence for the very next corner. That's right. We're going to head the ball clear when it comes in. And we're not going to do dick all else after that so the next corner comes in we had a clear there's nobody did to the box nobody but a newcastle player anthony gordon volleys it well he must say he, catch, he catches the ball well longly deflects it off the crossbar and of course it's a newcastle player first to react because we're all on our heels and honestly god i know we have some fun i know we go back and forward on austin mcphee but this is a like this is a trend it's not even a trend anymore this is just a fact this boy hasn't done anything to help Aston Villa's defensive set pieces. Not once. And in the midst of all this FFP talk, sustainability, where can we cut corners? Where can we save money? I want to know how much money we're spending here on this set piece department. I mean, can we start there at least and see how that will free up things for us? Gordon, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's a disgrace. It's not even just the fact that we concede so many goals from these set pieces it's the fact that every time we get a set pieces it's a fucking arse tightener like we we know we're expecting something dangerous to happen we're expecting the ball to land in their fucking six yard box apparently now that's a new fucking fear to add to the growing list of things that are going to keep me awake at night and you're right gordon controls the volley well controls it well but but why why is longley swinging at it like a volley has just come in from the edge of the box we're playing shite we're 1-0 down we've just conceded you're clement longley just just get back to basics for a second. Tighten your ankle. Block the shot. You're Clement Longley. Connecting with a football that's moving isn't in your armory. Like I, I've never I've never tried to knock the ball past somebody I knew was faster than me, unless they're unbalanced. Like you realize someone is faster than you, you don't try it again. Like this isn't the first time Longley has tried to connect with a football that's moving. He's 28. He knows he can't do it. So why is he doing it in this instance? But not only that, that's what I thought initially. Then I see the replay from behind Gordon. Longley moves out of the way of the shot. He's like he's like the fucking man, Tom and Jerry's terrified. He's jumping up on a seat. He's leaning away from it. It was like watching our brawler when a wasp comes into the room. Stop panicking. Like that's that shot is more afraid of you than you are of it. Leave the shot alone and it'll do you no harm. Stop swinging at it like a fucking loser. You're making it more dangerous than it ever was. Just ignore it. It'll go away. Let it fly into you. It'll go away. He's fucking leaning away, swinging at a shot. Unbelievable. Mm, it is frustrating. And like, there's plenty to talk about in the diamond meter. So I'm not afraid to jump straight to Clement Longley now as well. Clement Longley had a couple of nice blocks. One of them was from a corner as well that we almost conceded from. And he, he did well, like last ditch defending. I mean, this this is the thing. How often have we talked about that idea of being good at last ditch defending? Why are you leaving yourself in any scenario in life having to do last ditch work over and over? <laughs> and you know, Colin, I wouldn't even say that Longley is particularly good at that, but he did make two good blocks in this game. But he has to be going down because his stats are frightening. Villa, Villa have won one game since this boy's been starting for Aston Villa. And he got brought off in that match. 
against Burnley. <laughs> we were drawn. We had to get a late winner from Douglas Ruiz to win that match. He wasn't even on the pitch. Like, like there, there's a pattern here going on, and we know that it's obviously a big drop off from Mings from Pau Torres. In fairness, we've talked about Longley before. He made the point. This boy is the fifth choice defender, the third choice for this side of the fence. But my God, it's it's like I, I'm starting to think going from Torres to Longley is like going from Martinez to Olsen. It's that big a drop off. Oh, Jesus, it is, yeah. No, it, it unquestionably is. I mean, you're talking about going from a, an elite player to somebody who can't play. It's it's not you're not you're not saying anything big there. Pau Torres is one of the best centre halves in the league. Martin is one of the best goalkeepers in the league. The other two are barely professional footballers. The only thing that marks them out as professional footballers is the fact that they get paid by Aston Villa Football Club. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> then the third goal, the, the nail in the coffin, really. Matt Cash is meandering around up the right. He seems to just completely shut down brain-wise. Attention span gone, obviously. He had the ball for too long, didn't know what to do with it when he couldn't get a shot away. Newcastle break away. And it's Anthony Gordon again, and he, he, he pushes it forward for Miguel Amoron, who squares it long. He's not catching up, and it's it's uh, some boy, Jason Murray, J- Jacob Jacob Murphy, <laughs> some boy playing on the right for Newcastle. Terrible, <laughs> terrible finish. I don't know where this guy's attitude's come from. What a fucking sitter he's just missed there. I think that was one of the worst finishes I can remember. We, we had a bit of fun about Bruno Fernandes mishitting the ball and getting a lucky deflection off Moreno. That time when United beat Aston Villa, whenever, <laughs> whatever amount of times that was, and Bruno Fernandes <laughs> went away acting the big man because of it, and Jacob Murphy in this whole match really does fancy himself. It's strange for somebody played a nice ball at one stage, Anthony Gordon, and they won a corner from it, and amazingly they didn't score from that corner. But <laughs> I saw him at one stage towards the end of the match doing that sort of gesture, like it's over, it's over, you know, with six minutes to go, and it's like, what's? Well, it's not. It's not down to you whether this is over or not, just because of everybody else. Like, you know, you're just a spectator here for most of the games. And, and as it happened, you got plucked from the stands to go, go score a goal for Newcastle there, and you couldn't do it. You completely mishit the ball, and Moreno comes sliding in, last ditch defending, puts the ball into his own net. <laughs> 
Yeah, but once Matt Cash loses the ball, we're fucked. And, and, and sorry, just before I flitter past that bell end, there is, there, there is, there is absolutely nothing he could have done right to stop that goal. But he didn't know that that is what was going to happen. Yeah. Conza might have pushed Gordon wide. Gordon might have overhit the pass. Almiron could have looked up and seen Jacob Murphy at the back post and thought, nah, and then recycled the ball back out. <laughs> like, why, why am I watching replays of Matty Cash running at a half speed back towards a counterattack he is responsible for? Fucking run, man. We have no yeah. idea what's going to happen here. Fucking Jacob Murphy certainly doesn't anyway. But after after we lose the ball, Ezra Kanza apparently forgets everything we've been doing and he's been doing for the last 12 months. Almiron has gone offside. Let him go, Ezra. You're not responsible for making him feel better about himself. Let him go. Like he, you could probably get back anyway if you give him a free yard head start. You might even be more inclined to dive in then as well, make a last night's block. And actually block the cross instead of watching him, inviting him, asking him, can he whip that to the back post? And it is a great ball, but he shouldn't be so easily allowed to do that by Ezra Kanza. Mm. And has Alex Moreno never seen Jacob Murphy play before? Like, I know I hadn't seen him play before last season and he's fucking 28. <laughs> but we've all seen him now, now that he's burst onto the scene at the age of 27, two thirds of the way through his career. And <laughs> what we've seen is he's shite. <laughs> Why are you diving in to protect the goals? Get ready for the counter-attack. Stand up, put your studs on whatever the fuck that was, and turn around and let's go. <laughs> and then a tale as old as time. The game is done. The better team have the game wrapped up. They've taken all the points, basically. And then Aston Villa come to play ball then when, when it's a threat. <laughs> And we can all enjoy ourselves, and I did enjoy myself a lot more for the last 30 minutes. I accepted the, the points were gone. I accepted we were beaten by Newcastle again. And now it was a case of, can we do something to make ourselves feel better? Can Ollie Watkins get a sight at goal for the first time in six weeks? And he does, and he does, and of course he does, because Leon Bailey comes onto the pitch. And that's probably the one saving grace that we have from this whole nightmare month, is that Leon Bailey, it turns out, is potentially the best player in the world. And I mean, it's John McGinn, I think, lifts the ball. The first time we didn't lift the ball onto Dan Burns' head in that position, and he puts it <laughs> in behind because we have the players to go in behind the six foot seven left back. And Leon Bailey gladly goes in behind. Nice touch, touch onto his right foot. Obviously, it's set up a goal then, and he puts it across to Watkins. Left foot in. Yeah, it's a great ball. Great touch from Bailey. Gets it on his right. Only one outcome. It's it's almost like it's almost like we should have been thinking about strategies for getting Watkins running towards the opposition goalpost as well. It's almost like we should have been thinking about ways to be playing the ball back to Ollie Watkins instead yeah. of playing it into his feet all fucking game. Unbelievable that the first time we tried it in the game we scored. Sorry, when I say unbelievable, it's completely believable. <laughs> and then a uh, talk of familiar tales. Ollie Watkins produces one of his greatest ever finishes when he's outside. <laughs> <laughs> And it's Leon Bailey into him, and he scoops it over to Rafka. To be honest, it was much tighter than I thought it was. I thought he was miles offside, and it turns out it was just his toe, and it could have been, could have gone either direction, really. You, you were wondering, well, I've seen this before, and maybe the angles are, are fooling me here, but but Kieran Trippier was, was very confident anyway. He told Ollie Watkins, no way, no chance, like as if you know, he knew, but, uh, but he was offside, unfortunately. What a ball, what a finish. What's the point? It was absolutely... <laughs> magical from Bailey and probably probably the most composed finish I've ever seen from Watkins and I have to wonder did he think he was as far offside as we initially did as well <laughs> and, I, 
And I don't like I don't like thinking about this moment in the match because it shows how readily a team can be pulled apart if you've got players on the pitch that are that aren't preoccupied with making me pull my hair apart from my head. I mean, this was so simple, and it shows you how wide open you can. Like, Kieran Trippier thought he was off, thought he was miles offside. It was it was just a simple run through the middle from Ollie Watkins, a brilliant pass from Leon Bailey, and we're through on goal again. So easy, so fucking frustrating that it took us to go 3-0 down, 3-1 down to try these things. So frustrating, so frustrating. But this is making me feel a little bit better. I need a break and we'll come back very quickly. The first WhatsApp whinge. So hang on a second. Aston Villa players this season have run probably 21 kilometres when... A player has already been offside, but they're waiting for the linesman to put his flag up. But we go through that process anyway, because this is the smart process that you love. And then this linesman, <laughs> this linesman puts it up. He, just, he, he won't wait a fucking second and a half when Moreno and, and Watkins are in, in behind. They're in behind. It's very tight. You look at the pictures. You looked at it at the time. You're like, what are you doing? Just, just le- literally leave it one second and see if this ball goes into the net or not. Yeah, well, let's see if it goes Andy Watkins' feet, first of all, Conan. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. this isn't exactly the smoking gun for the for the this uh, rule of line or the linesmen are being asked to do to let the player run on. I mean, the ball from Moreno ended up being shite. If you played yeah. it Andy Watkins' feet, we'd be having a different conversation here. But maybe that was a part of it. Maybe he could see in the corner of his eyes the flag going up. I know if it was Watkins in that position, once he saw the flag going up, he would have been picking out whoever he wanted inside the box, <laughs> right onto their toe. But yeah, it's it was crazy, crazy decision. Like we we've seen this too many times. We've seen how deceptive angles can be on the TV screen. Imagine how deceptive they can be when everybody's moving on the pitch. There's no way that linesman was certain that was offside. Mental stuff. Yeah, that was very annoying. The second WhatsApp winch and one of the darker ones that we've had. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and I am being serious. So you're telling me that we might have to sell academy players. To be able to fund players like Diaby. <laughs> yeah, because I've got it's, a solution. I've got a solution. <laughs> I've got a lot of money that we can save ourselves. <laughs> it is getting to the stage where now that everybody's settled down and had to think about what profit and sustainability means, it's just getting to the stage where clubs are going to be selling each other, each other's graduates. It's fucking bonkers. Like this, this is one of those unintended consequences that comes from a stupid rule, and mm. it's 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 that's the way. That's where we're going to end up. We're going to be selling Jacob Ramsey to somebody. We're going to be buying in Marcus Rash. Well, we're, hopefully we're not going to be doing that. But you know what I mean. You get the point I'm trying to make. That's what. And then everybody's just spending the same amount of money, but just swapping players. It's fucking bonkers. That obviously needs to be looked at. And something else that needs to be looked at is what is a Diaby? Like, uh. like what? What is he? What, what is this thing that we've got floating around at the top of it? Not even floating around, lumbering around at the top of the pitch. What has happened to Musa Diaby? What in the name of God is going on there? I don't know. Like the, the, All I can say, and it's not a good comparison, but we compared El Ghazi twice to Cristiano Ronaldo. And we did make the Messi comparison twice with Diaby as well. And the fall off has been just the same as El Ghazi's. He looks broken. Like he doesn't. Every single thing he does is wrong. It's the wrong decision. It's a power puff touch. It's weak. It's uh, off the ball, on the ball. It's everything he does. Like the, the, honestly, the best thing he does is track 
corners, like our attacking corners that we give away. <laughs> yeah, and when you see performances like Leon Bailey produced as well, it just makes it all the more stark. But you're right to talk about his decision-making, everything. Like, we are not pushing the ball in front of Diaby for him to turn back. What is yeah. the point of John McGinn or Tielemans breaking the line with a with a risky through ball past three players for Diaby then to chop back inside to have those same three players now back at defending him? It's 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 insane stuff. He's he's absolutely shrewd of confidence. I don't know what has happened to him, and I don't know how it happened either. It seemed to be one game and he was gone. It was, yeah. It's not like he was on a down on a natural decline. He's been fucking shite for ages, and I, and I and I can't explain it. And just to be clear, we didn't compare him to Messi. We compared him to a shit Messi, and I'm more willing to stand over that now. Just em- the emphasis on the shit side of it, rather yeah. than the Messi side of it. But you're happy that we both compared El Ghazi to Cristiano Ronaldo? Well, I don't, I'm not sure if we both did that. Yeah. The third and final WhatsApp wins. I'll tell you what I didn't need at halftime of this match. Sky Sports pumping out social media news, breaking Aston Villa about to sign a sub goalkeeper. <laughs> that didn't make me feel better. And I actually, I thought, I, I got excited when I saw breaking Aston Villa close in on whoever and I was like oh my god this maybe maybe this is like the equivalent the Emery equivalent of when Sawiris went and sacked Gerrard he just left the game early and said we have to do something get rid of him but now when it's Emery in charge of Villa going well it's like we have to do something go get me Joe Gucci Joe, I thought I thought that was a slander name for Jack Rudy. <laughs> Yeah, well, what I didn't need at halftime was the announcement that the second half is just about to begin. I mean, that was that was the worst possible thing I could have heard during that. And yeah, it was very interesting there that you said whenever he decided to very quickly sack Stephen Gerrard. Sack Stephen Gerrard about three months too late, as we're all far too familiar with, Conan. <laughs> okay, we're going to come back with the award categories. I'm going to start with the Glenn Whelan Award as well, because I've got some tactical winges really so we're going to carry on whatsapp winges is the notice so join us after this <laughs> all these right get over it it's aston villa fc not jack Grealish fc get a fucking grip <laughs> somebody called me a wanker let us mourn somebody called me a freak We've just gotten the news. It's devastating. We're upset. Somebody reported me to the Villa podcast on Twitter. <laughs> Did these people turn up to funerals or wakes saying, come on, get over it. It's the Doherty family, not the great Auntie Margaret family. It's time to find out what Uncle <laughs> Jimmy's really made of. Time for Auntie Barbara to step up. <laughs> Fucking psychopaths, let me mourn. I'll rally around the Doherty family. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed, but I'm fucking devastated. It's not going to be the same without Margaret. R.I.P. Auntie Margaret. You like them? We didn't take a 90th minute penalty award. We need to press more. Like we, we, we have we have the players for a scramble defence. I mean, you saw when John McGinn goes into the centre there and the Kamara can do it anyway. We've got Kanza, we've got Cash, we've got Moreno. What's the point of having a high line if we're not putting pressure further up the pitch? I feel like we are actually getting picked off a bit more high line-wise. Yes, obviously Longley has a big part to play in that. Diego Carlos did too. But it's also because we're not putting pressure further up the pitch on the ball. Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, forget about going three 0 down. We all know we're absolutely brilliant at that stage of the game, and we can play the game in our terms. Then, didn't I Emery think that things were going well at nil nil, one nil, two nil? Like, did, did he think did he think things were going well for the last month? You know, forget about personnel for the minute. Obviously, Leon Bailey should have started the game, but that's twice Eddie Howe has looked at how we play, nullified it, and we've done nothing about it in game. Like, mm. like out of possession. Saudi Arabia had a really good blend of going man for man and dropping. And when they went man for man, we went from fucking man to boy. <laughs> Every yeah. single player, it was like, it was like they never received the ball under pressure. And 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 even more worrying as well. They were, and this really tells you about their psychology. They were refusing passes when they looked up because they knew in that position with a fucking modicum of pressure from a Saudi Arabian player, they wouldn't have wanted to receive it there. I think that's nearly more telling than the players getting the ball and pinging it back with their feet, because that's what you want them to do. It's whenever you see players refusing to pass it to another player under pressure, you know what's going on in their own head. They're thinking, fuck, that man's too tight to him. I would hate to receive the ball there. So get off the fucking football pitch, because that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And whenever Saudi Arabia sat back, we didn't have enough pace in our play either. So that's, that's on the ball. The high line, I wonder, is the high line possible with Cash, Moreno, Longley, Tielemans and Diaby all on the pitch at the same time? Like, like with, a, with, a, with a narrow midfield and not enough pressure on the ball, the obvious route out for Saudi Arabia is on the flanks. It's it's Kieran Trippier. It's Miley dropping in to receive it. It's Gordon exposing the space in behind whenever we realise that there is too much space in the flanks with a narrow midfield. And so we have to ask Cash and Moreno to push up and what does that mean then once we do that that is the natural solution you do have to ask them to push up then if you are going to play that narrow midfield but what does that mean it means you're asking Kanza to defend by himself because of who yeah. his partner is like Ezri Kanza must have felt like he was in a forced forced into an arranged marriage with fucking Catherine Knight there I mean his partner was just eating him alive it was bizarre psychology for Ezri Kanza it has to be tormenting for him because he knows what he's supposed to do but he can't possibly do it because he knows of what he's been fucking forced to marry. Like he can't, he can't play in the position. He can't play the way he wants to play because Clement Longley's beside him. And I wonder, does anybody at the club realize that maybe Aston Villa can't play the way we want to play with Clement Longley playing centre half, particularly when you've got those two flying fullbacks as well, who might be caught out up the pitch. Particularly when it's Matty Cash, who might catch himself out up the pitch by losing the ball. <laughs> Our defensive corners are obviously a punch line at this stage. Our attacking corners are no better, to be honest. The very first one went straight into Dan Byrne on the age of the six-yard box. That's how you defend at the age of six-yard box and the ball comes in. You just, you just <laughs> head it through. And there, there was a shot of Emery just after that for about 15 seconds and, and he looked like he was trying to figure out who was he going to kill first. You know? It was just <laughs> such, a, such a limp corner and he didn't get any better. I don't remember us creating anything or, or trying to open up anything from... From any of the corners, and then I suppose like the, another nomination in here in the you like them we didn't take a ninetieth minute penalty award can be. I understand the the the, the sustainability, the FFP, and, and how like we're 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 being restricted by all that. We've got assets to get rid of. Like, what what are we waiting on? What are we, what is the crack of all these fucking loan deals that we're doing? Why is Dunker sent off on loan for six months? We're not going to use him in six months' time. Sell the fucker. Like what? We need to start making money back. We've got so many players lying around here. I hate to say it, but it's probably time they push the Bertie T burger. I mean, we could get, we could cash in on that. Somebody will buy Bertie T. Oh, sorry, Colin. Do you, do you think people want to sign Leander Dendonker? 
Do you think people want to sign Morgan Sanson, Felipe Coutinho, fucking Bertie T? Do you think these are actual options for people? Everybody's struggling financially. You can't just go out and buy a fucking burger whenever you've got no money. You're going to have to have a bowl of pasta every once in a while. You can't all just take a risk with our health. Take a risk with your health by having a yet an all burger. Bertie T ain't going fucking anywhere until his contract's up, pal. <laughs> And there's something I like about being trapped with Bertie T as well. <laughs> he really has comfort food, isn't he? Yeah. Let's do the Rossenthal Award. Um, Anthony Gordon drew a good save from Emmy Martinez. This was the good ball from Jason Jacob Murphy. Um, ball into Gordon. Cons has got good pace to get back. Gordon pulls it back and then he just moves it around longly and gets the shot away. But Martinez is out. <laughs> <laughs> Martinez is out to that stage. I know. Why is Martinez defending that situation better than Longley? Why is he moving his feet better than Longley? You're right, Gordon just steps around Longley. But by that stage, Martin, Martinez has already run around Longley. Why is Martinez run around Longley quicker than it's taken Longley yeah. to take a step to his left? It's insane. And Musa Diaby from a from a nice Telemans ball, from a nice Douglas Louise ball. Telemans just pushes it through like we've seen him do. And Jesus fucking Christ, like he doesn't shoot. It's it's not even it's not even close to a good ball across the defense. I don't know what he thought he was doing. Like again, so tame, bad decision, shite execution, awful right foot. Just get the shot away for God's sake. Yeah, how many times have I said it? If the pass is as difficult as the shot, have the shot. And the pullback was terrible anyway. I mean, if if it didn't hit the first man, there were two others in the way. That has to go past the line. That has to go in front of Watkins, in front of what would have been six despairing limbs as well, diving back yeah. towards their own goals. You can't pull that back, mate. And then Kamara. Kamara, I don't know if this was a big chance, but Douglas Ruiz played a nice ball over the top and Kamara's touches is pretty poor. And then John McGinn had a header just, just before halftime. Like, that header's not good. I know he had to throw somebody to the ground to get a bit of space, but by the time he gets up, he just needs to get it down a little bit and he doesn't. If the touch is as hard as the shot, have the fucking shot. <laughs> and what was the plan here? What was the plan here from Kamara? Like he, he was going to pluck that ball that he's run at full speed and jump through the air to collect. He's going to mm. pluck that out of the air, land, adjust his feet, and then slot it with his left foot. Flick the ball towards goal. Tighten your ankle even and side-footed. Get the Brav get involved in the game. This lad has Loris Karius as his only competition. He's fucking relaxing. He hasn't trained in weeks, I'd say. Whenever he looks at the, whenever he walks out the training, but sees this Loris, he probably just fucks off into the physio and has a massage. <laughs> McGinn's header, gee, he couldn't have been kinder there. Like he couldn't get above it, is what Martin Tyler told us. I'm not going to talk about Martin Tyler again. The less I mention him, the better. He didn't get above it, but he could have. Like, like I'm not an astrophysicist. I don't work in quantum mechanics. But I know his arse isn't holding him to the ground that much. He's not working against it that much. Fucking get above that ball and head it into the net. He was four yards out. Mm. Do you remember we used to get so annoyed Leon Bailey's refusal to go onto his right foot and he made everything look so easy because everybody knew no matter what the situation he wanted to come onto his left. I think I want that from Musa Diaby now. I mean, this one is Watkins. Nice pass through from Watkins. Diaby is onside. He rounds the keeper. 
And again, just another lame effort with his right foot. Joel on Twitter put it well. He said, is Diaby's right foot made of paper mache? I mean, that's what it's that's what it feels like. And then Watkins, Watkins giving it to the crowd after as you know, they're 3-0 down as if as if they'd done anything to warrant any sort of reaction from the crowd. I, I didn't actually like that from Watkins. Well, that was the first time Watkins had the ball in the game, to be fair to him, and he does brilliantly with it. It's an, ama- it's an amazing touch from John McGinn, and it is brilliant play from Ollie Watkins. But, gee, yeah, you're right. Paper mache foot is is absolutely spot on. That was terrible. I mean, it, surely Diaby, like, what age is, what age is Musa Diaby? 24 years old. He knows he knows what his right foot can do. And if that's what it can do, f- come back onto your left, pal. Fuck me. Yeah. Leon Bailey's turn on, on Dan Byrne. I mean, we can talk about the, the filthy award later on, but lovely bit of stuff from Bailey coming in on the right and um, gets it to... Or sorry, this was the ball that was played to him with his back to goals. Just an unbelievable turn. He had another one that he got to cash. The cash was asleep for. But this one, he did give the cash. Watkins is inside. Not that that matters. Cash is having the shot anyway. <laughs> Yeah, the one the one down the side to Watkins is a, it's a it's a good ball, it's a decent hit. Matt Holland or Andy Townsend said it's it's a tough ass to beat the goalie from that angle. Aye, if you had it like that, it is fucking put a bit of welly behind it. All he what he playing at? He was not far right. He's a corner of a six yard box as well. Fucking spank the ball. You tight angle. You have to hit it as hard as you can. You don't have to hit it with absolutely. You don't have to hit it like your fucking Musa Diaby. The Cash one is absolutely amazing feat from Leon Bailey. I don't I don't mind Matty Cash's effort there. He's at a much worse angle than Ollie Watkins is, and he hit the ball a lot fucking better than he did. I mentioned the Jacob Murphy chance from the corner that Longley got the block on, and then Martinez, really good save on Sean Longstaff, who I was just so excited. After 25 minutes, I noticed him, and I was like, oh, great, Derek. Like, we're going to have a bit of fun here. If we can get a result, I can talk about the Ashley Westwood Award. That's definitely going to Sean Longstaff because the only time I noticed him was at one stage where it was like oh look Douglas Louise and Kamara have a bit of space now and then Douglas Louise got the ball and then Sean Longstaff came piling out you know that, that was his one job come running out and it, you know, he's, it's not effective Douglas Louise passes it off anyway and it was like who's that oh it's, it's one of the Longstaffs he's playing and it was just like, this is the annoying thing when you continually get bettered by Newcastle and Lewis Miley one of the Longstaffs Almiron's still running around. It's so important for Newcastle. Your man Murphy out there. Like, their, their team isn't that good. And like they've beaten us 8-2 in the last two games. And yeah, anyway, sorry. So he had a chance. Um, And it was just, yeah, I don't know what he was what he was waiting on. Took it, took it closer and closer to Martinez. Couldn't believe his look. It looked like it may be a foul in the build-up. But who really gives a fuck about anything? <laughs> I, I think that, that finish really emphasised how disappointing how disappointing the match was. I mean, that's that's the quality of the players. You've named the players there as well, but that's that's what they're capable of when they get through on goal. Not only was it a terrible finish, it was a terrible passing of the book to him as well. Somebody else was free on goal. They took too long, and they flicked it out to him. He took far too long. Brilliant save for Martinez. That shouldn't be taken away from him. The way he spreads himself like that must be terrifying, and the way he gets down, gets his limb onto it, and is so strong of it is brilliant. But Christ almighty, it's a terrible finish from a, a really bad first 11 on the pitch for Saudi Arabia. So what the fuck were our lads playing at? <laughs> I think the last one's a winner. And this was really annoying because like, we did get a goal at that stage. It was 3-1. And this, you know, all, all we needed was someone else to drop. They'd get the second goal and then the place would actually be rocking. 
and long way from the corner. He's not even trying to score here. That's the really annoying thing about this. He, he's getting up to try and get his head on the ball, but he hasn't thought any more beyond that. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure how, how a ball can come off that marshmallow head with such power. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it should just be getting stuck above his neck, just stuck into that mess, that absolute shambles that's attached to the top of Clement Longley's neck. I don't know how it's gone flying off his head like that. It's absolutely terrible. The Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. I mean, Matt Cash is going to take some doom, but also Emmy Martinez has parry into the middle of the box from a really, like, a shot from a bad angle to be shooting from, from that guy out in the right for Newcastle. Just just takes a <laughs> shot. Like, I think he has to put it through Moreno as well. And Martinez just palms it into the box, and it's so dangerous. And Longley actually does really well to, to block that and get rid of the danger. Yeah, it's really unlike him. Martin as well, normally he just gobbles them up. His angles for the third goal as well weren't brilliant that much. Like it's a, it is a brilliant a brilliant ball across from Almiron, but I'm just not sure about Martinez, why he's at the front post, why he's diving across like that instead of diving out towards the ball. Strange. And that one was much, much stranger, obviously. I don't even have the heart to do this, but let's just do it anyway. The Paul Merson, that's just filthy award. Um, not that any of these cons deserve it, but we can talk about their individual bit of moments of magic and Ezra Kanza's on Isaac, just a little drag back letting the ball come across him and, and going around Isaac at the other side was lovely Bailey on Dan Byrne which I mentioned and then Bailey coming on the right I think it might have been Dan Byrne again this is this situation where Bailey's feet are just ridiculous I think he compared him to Michael Flatley and just how fast it is but the ball is always under control and he drops it off to Matt Cash who, who like he's just gone into complete ball watching mode he's just on his heels not like sometimes you wonder what are you here for if you're not actually looking to contribute Bailey's rounded his man he's gotten a bit of space he's now drawn another man to him that frees you up there you go and Cash just watches the ball being taken away by a Newcastle player Cash and Diaby's worse for that as well like there's a lot of stuff that I've got a problem with Diaby with at the minute but he is like it's, this isn't a common thing for Cash but Diaby is the one player that makes other players look bad when they pass it because he's, he's just gone off running at the wrong time. He's made his move too late or too early and, and they're all confused. Everybody's got cross wires of what he's doing and he's certainly just not in tune with anybody. And and you know like there's a common denominator there and it's Diaby. Yeah, absolutely. But just to go back to that that Matt Cash phone, <laughs> that Matt Cash phone asleep on. The the, re- the most frustrating thing about that was I needed to see what the fuck Leon Bailey did before that again. I needed to see it in slow motion. I needed to see it over and over again. It was it looked like it was absolutely magical. Yeah. Just in between two players who turned around as if to say, what in the fucking name of God has happened there? <laughs> how has he got that? I have no idea how he did it. He, it was whenever he skinned Dan Byrne down the line, I was like, ah, brilliant. But where are you going now? Like, there's another player. Oh my God, you're through. Oh, brilliant. You played it to Matt Cash. Week's wage is fine for that. Introduce a week's wage is fine for that. Anybody who passes the ball to Matt Cash in the box. <laughs> okay, let's do the Vyman meter. Going up, Leon Bailey, obviously. Unbelievable performance. Really exciting. Got to just get you off your chair sort of performance every time he got the ball he was looking to make something happen he believes that he can make something happen because he can and just like that that damn burn example is the perfect one go past him what's next go past him every time he got the ball he was moving towards the goals and it got everybody else going it got Watkins excited at goal again for the first time in what felt like his career but <laughs> maybe we should mention in the Vima meter here that Ollie Watkins did score his 50th Premier League goal but um, it's not the time 
if the Aston Villa social media posters are listening because like you know this is not what we want to see today leave it a couple of days and then we'll give Ollie Watkins all the <laughs> all the love he deserves but yeah Bailey's going up the only other person that's going up before we get into the going downs is and it's more of an event it's you know I am returning his back on Jason Tindall for, <laughs> for the handshake afterwards Eddie Howe comes over and Jason Hindle's like stuck to him bouncing across trying to get to Emery first as well and Emery shakes Howe's hand and turns around immediately and Tyndall with his hand out scratches his chin and laughs and goes over to the villa backroom team his equivalent and he goes over and shakes their hand instead so that was one small mercy as William Wallace would say from that game <laughs> yeah, you, you won't be surprised to know that I didn't have the, the stream still on at that stage of the game I wasn't sticking around to watch that but thanks for bringing Jason Tyndall to my attention last year now, and now I'm <laughs> <laughs> equally annoyed with you and confused and a little bit worried about myself and how I ever missed him. Like, how did you have to bring this lad to my attention? Yeah, if, if not else, years just... now we've been talking about this. Thing. <laughs> yeah, if nothing else, the fucking the glare from his teeth, children, has been enough for, for me to understand that he was on yeah. the sideline next to Eddie Howe. Absolutely ridiculous. The only other person I might have going up is John McGinn because after Bertrand Trory came on, John McGinn looked like he was the only other player on the pitch that actually believed we could get something out of that game. And we could have got something out of that game as well. A couple of things had a fallen in place. A couple of players had the, been playing like Leon Bailey and like John McGinn. I don't mean with their quality, obviously, because some of them aren't capable of that. I mean, if if they had been playing with the same urgency. There was one time where John McGinn ran past Douglas Louise to put in a tackle. If John McGinn played the ball forward, somebody lost it, went past Douglas Louise. Douglas Louise turned around, standing still, turned around, and John McGinn has to come looping around him to win the ball back again. Frustrating. Yeah. Do you know what a Freudian slip that was? Because you were talking about Leon Bailey coming on, and you said when Bertrand Chirori came on. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose, yeah, Leon Bailey did look like Bertrand Chirori in the <laughs> And there can be no higher praise. The, the one, John McGinn was brilliant and I was happy that Kamara came off and McGinn went into the centre and uh, I was happy with McGinn in general. The one pushback I would give on John McGinn going up, 12 o'clock, 12pm on Instagram. Aston Villa are playing a match in eight hours time and John McGinn's posting on Instagram about the lawn lad is now available on home base. <laughs> Does Ian Emery know about this? I mean, like, John McGinn told the story of going in, like, you know, being the player's representative, going in and asking Ian Emery, what's the story with Christmas? Are we getting the day off? And Emery said to him, why aren't you thinking about Boxing Day? Why are you only thinking about Christmas Day? Because we're supposed to be playing a big game in Boxing Day. And we all know what happened then. And now John McGinn decides to be posting on game day. Like, just, just, again, get the timing right. I don't need to be seeing this. I wouldn't have cared. I wouldn't have even noticed. Connor, if, if you don't need to be seeing this... Get off fucking Instagram. Why are you following a footballer on Instagram? What do you think insight he's going to have? Do you think the stream's actually going to be entertaining? He's going to put up a post showing him giving the thumbs up to the crowd saying, well done, boys. Great performance today. Thanks to the fans. Why the fuck are you taking up data? Speaking about sustainability, the fucking data required <laughs> to hold these photos on the internet, Conor, and you're contributing to it by following them, by just being a brain-dead moron flicking through footballers' Instagram accounts. You don't need to see this. You don't need to see that lawn lad post. Just get off Instagram. Going down, and probably the player most going down, and I don't say it lightly, 
Nicolo Zaniolo, big Zaniolo going down. Well, well, let's get real. Diaby isn't player most going down. But Zaniolo <laughs> just stopped playing at one stage when he played a shit pass down the left-hand side. He stopped playing. He let everybody else track back and he started doing the Buendia. He started throwing his arms around, feeling sorry for... And he had nobody to complain to. It was just himself how shit it was. And he was running around fouling everybody constantly. You know, doing exactly what Newcastle players wanted him to do. And I have to say... When, when he burst onto the scene there two games ago now with his frosted tips, I thought, oh my God, Big Zaniolo has come to play. Big Zaniolo's got the shirt tucked in, he's got frosted tips on, new look, and since he's got that bleach in his hair, it hasn't been as good. Are you not giving out about John McGinn putting up a fucking, just passively putting up a, a post on Twitter, but now you're praising somebody for, for caring about how they look on a football pitch? At least John McGinn wasn't doing this on a football pitch. Zaniolo was absolutely brutal when he came on. Can you imagine can You imagine watching your team go 3-0 down and you can't even come on after that and look good? That is just absolutely diabolical. Zaniolo thought he was brought on to run the clock down for Saudi Arabia. Check that lad's bank balance. It was fucking unbelievable the amount of pointless fouls he put in. He should have been sent off as well. He had three yellow card yeah. offences easily in the time he was on the pitch, which wasn't very fucking long. And there wasn't very much football played during that time either because he kept fucking fouling people. <laughs> and it was the absolute winner of the What the Fuck Award. There were two nominations that you didn't mention. Was Zaniolo spinning around like Emmy Bundia? But Zaniolo playing a Bertie T pass across the fucking pitch as well. Oh, straight, yeah. straight to a Saudi Arabia player. Like, you can't be playing Bertie T passes if you're not also bringing the sauce. Like, this fucking ridiculous. At, le- at, least there's a, at least there's a payoff of Bertie T. So he, he's going to do something <laughs> magical. What's, what's Zaniolo going to do? Run into somebody? <laughs> yeah, wasn't a good day for him. Long ways going down. I, like I, I wanted to make the case for cash going up, but he just simply can't. Like um, cash, cash's overall performance today was less offensive to my eyes than it has been in general. It was it was more of a more of what I want to see from Matt Cash. A bit more simple, apart from all the cutbacks that he likes to do. But yeah, you know, just uh, there there was something there that I was liking, but he can't he can't go up after that. Moreno is going down. Moreno's going down because he like you mentioned um. The Diaby pass to Watkins, the one that didn't go in front of Watkins, or in front of all the Newcastle defenders between him and Watkins, felt like Moreno played about four of those passes as well, just just poked it into the box where nobody was. And I don't remember the last time this boy got an assist either, and I'm not just keeping a keen eye on it because of my fantasy football, but I was a bit pissed off that he got minus points because of the own goal as well. But Moreno has the opportunity there with Luca Dean, who's been brilliant out all season, and or not all season, but for a long time. And Moreno hasn't really just taken off just yet. Well, he was brilliant the last game in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Moreno was shite. And you're talking about the the failed Diaby passes that he that he had as well. When he didn't, when he didn't under hit a cutback, he just clipped the ball into the Bravka's hands. Stop yeah. clipping the ball into the Bravka's hands. How many crosses did we just float into that lad? And like, not only not only was it crosses that were favoring the goalkeeper. They were fucking... There was no Villa player near the goalkeeper, so it was really hard to tell what he fucking thought he was trying to do as well. Going down as well, now that we're on the Bravka, have Martin Tyler and Matt Holland or Andy Townsend never seen a game of football before? <laughs> the the amount of references to the Bravka battling on, looks like he's recovered, been in the wars, showing no <laughs> ill effects. 
No ill effects to fucking no injury. He didn't get fucking hurt. He's pretending to get hurt because he plays for Saudi Arabia and this is how they fucking run down the clock. Of course he's lying in the ground. They're 2-0 up. He's not injured, you absolute idiots. Loris Karius. <laughs> Loris Karius is the Saudi Arabian backup goalkeeper. The Bratka is staying on that pitch if he has to be sellotaped <laughs> to a fucking chair. He's not injured. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's definitely not allowed to be injured. Yeah, that's 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 fair. The only other suggestion I have going down, maybe it's a bit more of a stasis moment, but Kamara j- just again fouling boys too easily, j- just doing the wrong thing when the game dictated something otherwise. He did something really nice. He probably could have been nominated for the Paul Merson Award, where he did walk it around three or four players and kept the ball, which was commendable but just in general not great and again coming off after 60 minutes this is a boy with designs on getting back into the front squad yeah not good enough that that moment where he ran past players was obviously brilliant and is the winner of the Paul Merson that's just filthy award yeah if it wasn't for it wasn't for the fact that we had Leon Bailey on the pitch as well yeah he wasn't good he, if we needed to change as well we had a lot more energy whenever McGinn went in there but all this is said in the context of the fact that we were 3-0 down as well so of course we had more energy we fucking love that <laughs> Anybody else going up or down before we wrap this bad boy up? Jacob Ramsey's going down his first twenty minutes. He was on the pitch. He didn't. He wasn't involved in the game. Sprung from the bench to try to recover something that he just couldn't get on the ball. Was nowhere near it. And it's not like Alex Moreno doesn't need fucking help. Get out there and get the fucking ball off him. And then after that, he he, can't, he worked himself into the game. He had a few pieces, a few nice pieces of play, but much yeah. like. Not, Grealish, like that. Grealish stuff like just taking a touch and passing it rolling inside, it back to it Douglas Luiz, yeah, absolutely. But much like Zaniolo, yeah, if you're gonna watch that game for sixty minutes, watch the team go three 0 down, and you can't look like you're an improvement after that. Fuck me, mate. I would honestly, like, I, I know we see he's been injured the whole season, so it's, it's not worth really digging into too deeply. But I, I, I'm at the stage with Ramsey at the minute that I would like try him in a different position because I'm not sure what he's doing at the minute suggests to me that he's a left winger or he likes to play on the left he's not he's not making any inroads of it he is he's playing too much like Grealish and I uh, would move him to the right put him in the centre put him off the striker whatever but just just to get something different from him get him get him out of that apathy that he falls into sometimes with these games well, the, well teams teams have figured out how to play against Aston Villa and Aston Villa have forgot how to play themselves so Nobody looks good at the minute, apart from Leon Bailey. So that that's the problem. It's not that he can't play out there anymore. It's that playing out there doesn't work anymore because teams have figured out how to shut that down. Okay, let's leave it there. We've got more misery ahead of us when we go to Sheffield United. Chris Wilder. <laughs> Another masterclass. And look, the only comfort that you can take is that you know we all feel it together. As 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 the former Saudi king, Fad bin Abdulaziz. <laughs> One said, he said, I am but one of you. Whatever troubles you, troubles me. Whatever pleases you, pleases me. Hopefully one day, something will please us again. Mom? 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.